October 3rd, 2018, it's a Watt from Pedro Show.
for Pedro Show. Uh, happy Wednesday. Brother Matt, at last minute, was called away. Emergency. He had to get stuff done. He said he's not playing hard to get, but just stuff's coming on him. But I think Sunday we're going to be together again. Not completely man alone, because uh, through the Miracles Engineering Wonder, those cats in Estonia who brought us Skype, I think Michael Scheidt owns it now, though. But anyway, 
through the wonders of Skype, I got Teresa. You're in. Uh, you call me from Nashville, right? I sure am. They okay. call it Music City. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've been there a few times. I think the first time I played there was a place called Cantrell's, and the boss was Butch Fitzpatrick, who is still doing gigs. He's a beautiful man. Uh, well, I should and say you know what the- we started the show off with it was John Coltrane. Excerpt from him doing my favorite thing, cover his interpretation, Penn State, nineteen sixty-three, and then a, a couple of my favorite things, that my tunnel from germs and deals with you're not blanks, baby, we're through because we're gonna talk about the old days. Me and Teresa Sunday at the Roxy in West Hollywood. So Teresa, um, what's your earliest musical memory? My earliest musical memory goes back to the old classic rock of the Beatles. I remember my father told me to stay up late and watch Ed Sullivan with him because there was something I might like. And he was right. Where were you at? Uh, I was in Santa Barbara, California, which is where I grew up. Just another sand town on the beach, uh, 100 miles or so up north from you. Yeah, college town. That's right. But I just Surf saw a big town. thing on the airport there, and it was really important. They had, the, like, the guppy, right? This big old plane that would carry pieces of the Saturn moon rocket. Santa Barbara's got an interesting uh, history. So you saw the Beatles when they first came on Ed Sullivan. I did, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it as as just about every little girl did and screamed at George. <laughs> what about in the house? Now, was your parents listeners or did they make music too? My parents were listeners. My dad grew up on the south side of Chicago in the 1920s. He's an age peer of Muddy Waters, although they're, you know, listening to each other on the other side of the Rainbow Bridge right now. Um, so my dad grew up in a blues town and, uh, he loved music. His father, my grandfather, had a uh, a diner, although they call it a snack shop in Chicago, and a jukebox. And one of the things I inherited from my grandfather uh, were hundreds and hundreds of uh, seven-inch singles of uh, hit records from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Pretty awesome, great, scratchy-sounding lo-fi vocalists and pop music from eras bygone. So not just the machine, but the records too. So you had a lot of music in the pad. Mm-hmm, lots of it. And, you know, my mother liked the crooners, Frank Sinatra, Tony Bennett, Perry Como. Well, did they ever want and you, did they want you playing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had piano lessons from the time I was five years old. So, so was there a piano in the living room? There was a piano in the family room, and uh, which your, was downstairs. Did anybody play it? Um, I played the piano. My mother always wanted to learn how to play the violin, but she wasn't musical in the least. Um, my sister, however, picked up that mantle. She can play anything with four strings on it. So I'm sure someday she'll uh, probably look at you and go, I got to learn that thing, what? <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. Your mom got a piano then just for you to t- uh, learn? Uh, yeah, my parents enjoyed um, 
you know, they enjoyed the piano. Okay. They enjoyed, you know, they, they were born in the, you know, 10s and 20s. They enjoyed that lounge thing, you know, singers. Yeah, under, understood, but the they, weren't, they weren't operators themselves. They were uh, looking for their uh, progeny. Huh? What, what about school? That's right. What about school, Teresa? Did you, uh, you know, like choir or the school band or the marching band or some shit like that? I was... I was in the school orchestra where I played the piano and I was in the marching band where I played the glockenspiel because if you were in the marching band, you got to travel when all of the sports teams did. Of course. It's hard to travel <laughs> with a piano, though. So glockenspiel is <laughs> a lot more portable. Well, it has... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're still hitting keys in a way. It's almost like your fingers, but you're using sticks and there's one note yeah. for every button. But it's a lot more lightweight is what I was trying to say. <laughs> It sure. I mean, can you imagine? You know, Rolling someone would piano. have to. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, so, on a piano so, on a dolly uh, so with a girl. So <laughs> your piano lesson and your glockenspiel. You learned to uh, to read. Uh yes, I did. Yeah, great. That's great. Um, I think people now, when I hear people reading, it's stuff called tabs and stuff. You know, but I think that that's a skill that it's not like you have to know that stuff to play. But why not? Sort of like oh, reading, well, right? I, I mean, Homer. Actually, didn't write down any of his spiel, but uh, so you don't have to be a good writer to be a sh good spieler, I think. But there's nothing wrong with learning that stuff. So, uh, what about uh, when you went to buy your own music? Can you remember the first record you bought, Teresa, yourself? Uh, the first record I bought myself was the theme from Mr. Ed. Wow! And it was on Palomino yeah. yellow vinyl. And who the who was the artist of the, the, the fucking actors? I I whoever sang the theme song. I don't. Oh know. yeah, okay. I mean, probably I, wasn't the actors. It was probably the guy playing no. Mr. Ed's voice. Yeah, Wilbur. Yeah, Wilbur. Or maybe he just makes cameo. I can't remember it. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And yeah, no maybe it was just some, horse, uh, well, like that group, right? Carol Kay and all those people, the wreck, uh, well, she claims it was the never wrecking? called the wrecking crew, but, uh, Hal yeah. Blaine did and called a book, wrote a book about that. But yeah, it was a, one group of people making almost all the television music. Also a lot of, uh, music for bands like Beach Boys and stuff. Yeah. This, yeah. Uh, these group, uh, Carol Kay, amazing bass player. What, what about first gig? What was the first gig you went to? The first gig I saw was the Love and Spoonful. Uh, it was 1968, and they um, they were playing at Knott's Berry Farm, I think. Oh, yeah. Anaheim. Or Buena Park. Yeah, Anaheim. Buena Park. But close, close. Buena Park. The inland part of Orange County. Yeah, now, uh, that's a trip. So did you, go well, there you for the, did you go there for the gig, or did you go there to, to go to the park? Uh, well, my... My parents would always uh, take our visiting relatives to all of, you know, the trifecta. Sure. Knott's Berry Farm, Disneyland, and the mean place where they have the animals. Uh, the the sea, sea World. Um, oh, that's right. But there used to also be, it was more by Irvine, but animal, uh, Lion Country Safari. Or so safari, you drove your car. Because right. there used to be gigs there later on, right? That was like some kind of amphitheater. Yeah. yeah. God, I remember playing yeah. that. So, okay, so those are your first gigs. What What about the thing, I think now ladies a lot, a lot do it, but in the old days it was like guys. But after school, you'd have the garage band or the bedroom band. 
And now ladies oh, do yeah. it. Ladies do that all kinds nowadays. Uh, in the old days, it was more. It yeah, was dudes, but you know. Yeah, but I don't, I don't was, think I, I don't think it was. Uh, uh, it had to be that way. It just was a stumbling point. No, I think point. it was just a social thing. <laughs> That's right. It was yeah, a social yeah. thing, and whoever played hung out together. Yeah. Um, I was on the speech and debate team, and my uh, debate partner and also our student mentor, they were a rhythm section, and they taught me how to play Smoke on the Water on a oh, piano. Yeah. Deep Purple. No, I'm saying this because if you looked at the bands, Look at any classical band. How many of musicians are ladies and stuff? But this idea of the rock and roll culture, I think, was supposedly hip, right? But a little slow catching on. Now you have yeah with young women. You know, I gave a talk at for third graders. <laughs> there was more ladies in bands than guys in this classroom. I think it's you know got more realistic now. But in the old days, yeah, there was. Uh, Cordy old uh, role models and stuff. So, did you were you in some of these bands like, like the piano player or the glockenspiel player? No, they touch and I smoke on the water on a guitar, right? No, they told me how. To, they taught me basically how to double the bass part on a keyboard. You know, like John. Oh, Paul so you were like pumping that G note, gung 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 yeah. gung gung gung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think his name was uh, Roger Glover. Yes, yes. Right, because the guy who took his place was Glenn (laughs) Falcon Hughes. I remember I did this gig opening for Flea and his Chili Peppers, and I guess Mr. Hughes came to the gig, and I kept hearing this voice, Flea, it's fucking Glenn Hughes. It's Glenn Falcon (laughs) Hughes. And, of course, you needed a guy who could sing the high parts because they got David Coverdale, who had a low voice. And it was a California jam. It was the first time they brought the high voice, high voice, uh, low voice guy. But then, yeah, I think he was in trapeze or something. So, okay, okay. So they got you to play the bass part with your left hand. That's what's so righteous about the piano. There's bass and treble clef. Huh? Brand new from many birthdays in Austin. Enchanted rock out. Follow you into space, any time, any day. Straight on, I'll follow you down. Carrying stuff, trying to wade through the water and the haze. Desperation has its own sound. It's funny when things are going great. Lives from the weight I tend to get so blasted out of my face. But when the shit's going south, that's finally when I look around for some way out of this maze. Through the many curves. 
curves and loops We catch a glimpse of the moon Tracing a path where we laid Dogs to the left of me Always right beside me We're walking out of the cage Into the night we go Into the vast unknown All we know is we are free Brothers to the left of me Sisters to the right of me Hands across the sea Ha e i, ha e i, to 
Why for Pedro Show? Okay, we played, uh, yeah, Brand New Manny Birthdays, Channel Rockout. After that, uh, yeah, I knew Lady Singer from uh, Japan. That, uh, people don't know this, but uh, they have uh, Aborigine people called Ainu that were there. Uh, sort of like our situation, or the Canadians, there was somebody living. I think that's what Aborigine means. It doesn't mean Australian. I think it means first people. <laughs> right, and, right, yeah. right. <laughs> For sure, they're not from India, okay? Columbus fucked up. <laughs> he was looking for pepper. Anyway, that's Omenko Ando with uh, Bataki. Beautiful music. A winner, and after that, out of England with Crocodile. Thank you, Davey from Crime Wolf, out of Nottingham, Derby. For, uh, although I think they pronounce it Darby, huh? Like Darby Crack. They do. Yeah, they like, don't say Derby. Yeah, I fucked up, sorry. Schedule. Uh, after that, Solvent's brand new out of uh, Seattle. Got to have them on the show with uh, Leave the Devil at the Bar. Mini Beast, that's got Peter from uh, Mission to Burma and Volcano Sons. He's living in Providence these days. He's going to go on to come out on tour this uh, next year out west, too. So it'd be great to see Mini Beast. Town Crier, Rough Mix. The Stand with Silence, that's got the guy who slings t shirts for X. See? Everybody can be in a band. Beautiful. Joel. Brother Joel. And then finally, the Preambulators. Brand new single. Here's the A-side. He'd rather rid, uh, rip us in half. You know what that's about. Uh, back with Teresa talking about her journey through music. So they, you, you learn smoke on the water bass part. At least you yep. didn't have to learn those corny lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. But did you start doing gigs and stuff like that? Um, no, but I, uh, because I did something else at gigs, okay. I took pictures. I took pictures because when I started, my parents were really great, generous people, wanted me to enjoy, you know, what I enjoyed. And I remember going to see Elton John in 1973 at the Hollywood Bowl, and I came back and told all my friends in high school, and they didn't believe me. And I just started taking a camera with me. Oh, for and proof. For proof. Yeah. Yeah, if there's not a picture, you never went there. Okay. <laughs> Elton Juan. Yeah, there's a movie coming out. Somebody's playing him. I know. It's called Rocket Man, right? Yeah, something like that. Socket Man. Socket Man. <laughs> yeah, that's Lucky Pierre, right? <laughs> the middle guy on a three-way. But uh, Anyway, okay, look. Taking pictures is a form of expression. It's all expression. Writing poems, writing novels. Playing that's bass. Right. Yeah. It's weird how that stuff gets all into a kind of hierarchy because it should be. It should be all cross pollinated freak flag flying shit. And the pictures, actually, the pictures are important because, you know, you documented a lot of the old days with our movement. And yeah, a lot of that stuff might have been just people's guesses if there wasn't some pictures. Uh, Anna Suma, uh, Jenny Lands, yourself. Uh, Ed Culver. Ed Culver, of course. Uh, 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 Elliot uh, Estevez with his videos. He he did a lot of video stuff when that stuff wasn't so small. Uh, I know. The, what about Target Video? From yeah, those guys, too, up in the city. Yeah. yeah. Some of that stuff, that's where we got our only screamers and a lot of uh, nervous gender. I mean, that's right. This, this stuff was very, very important. Uh, Gary Leonard. Gary, yes. Gary, who I still see at the Labor Day. Uh, he still goes and photographs shit. Cool people. So 
I, I remember taking an elective eighth grade uh, semester of uh, photography. I, I, God, it was so expensive though in those days. You had to buying the camera was the first ticket. I mean, then you had, you had to develop and buy film, and you know, you know whoa. The oh, I know thing, it's kind of an investment. But when you look at it, we were all inadvertent teenage entrepreneurs. And when you look at a record, you see that people like you and people like me and people who did typesetting and art, we all contributed to that one product that some fan holds in their hand. And there's music on it and there's pictures and there's lyrics and there's drawings and there's motivation. It's all there. And, yeah. and it's a group product. Well, I got to tell you, for me and V. Boone and Georgia, you know us, Pedro guys, it was kind of a collision of worldviews because all we knew was arena rock. And then we learned about this scene up in Hollywood and it changed our life completely. Uh, but we're at the end of the first hour of the October 3, 2018 edition Watt for Pedro show. Special guest Teresa, hold tight for hour two. October 3, 2018, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Thank you. 
second hour started off the music with uh, Still House Plants out of Glasgow doing the house sound of Chicago. Uh, Yurt out of Dublin with Rat Nebula. Vermi's Dolimbo out of Brazil. I think uh, Sao Paulo. Trator Matal. Mike Renetta, he lives in Brooklyn. Poolside Soundy. And some stuff he's recommended like Omniflux with Lawless Flawless. Dustin Wong, Desert Via Hover Camel. And Tashiwada with Yoshiwada, that's father and son, friends with Abad. Uh, back to Teresa and her journey. So, Teresa decides to turn in her piano, her keyboard, for a camera to learn how to express herself. So, the, those first gigs, because obviously, we probably share this, we come out of arena rock, right? Uh like you were saying, your first gig was actually Buena Park, but uh, then your parents dragged you. What, what's the kind of first gig that you went to as Teresa and without your parents? Oh, this is embarrassing. No, not really. I grew up in Santa Barbara, yeah. where the median age was 68 and probably still is. So every single rock and roll show, regardless of who the artist was, you went so you could be with other young people. Okay. So it was the Grateful Dead. Okay. Okay. So that's a lot different than going to a club gig. Do you remember your first right. club gig? Um, I saw Electric Light Orchestra in a little club atmosphere at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. They had like a music thing. Slow town. And it was probably 200, you know, 200 people. So That's small for, yeah. the, for like, yeah, Arena Rock days. Uh, yeah. This was before they were an arena rock band. Yeah, yeah. See, because a lot of that club scene went away. I, mean, I know it was there in Hollywood because, you know, I did 125 months with the Stooges, and they spent a few years in Hollywood playing the whiskey right. and stuff. That's right. When do you make the move from Santa Barbara? When do you make the move from Santa Barbara to Hollywood? Um, I went to UCLA. I graduated a year early. So I moved to Hollywood when I was 17. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. She ended up graduating from UCLA also. Yeah. Flying back from Black I mean, Flag. A, you know, Black Flag did 100 yeah. gig tours, and she would fly back to do her midterms and shit. So when you, when you, when you landed up doing school, UCLA, and then going to, you started going to, like, the whiskey and, and stuff like this, right? Right. Now... My my big contrast was you actually met people. You didn't really meet people at arena rock gigs. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you no, did at clubs. Insane. Whole different dynamic, right? Right. I mean, I met Charlotte Caffey uh, because we'd seen each other, you know, standing in line so we could be the first person at the edge of the stage for, you know, every gig. That's how I met her. I remember she um, you know, was the bass we player playing. for the eyes. That's right. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then I actually knew Belinda Carlisle. Now, now that we're going into Go-Go's territory, um, I knew Belinda Carlisle from high school because she went to a neighboring high school and we were both in speech and debate. And you know, getting involved in extracurricular activities was really so you could just not be in school yeah, and get course. credit for not being in school. You know, she was also a cheerleader. I was in the marching band. We had these clever ways of not being in school. Okay. Yeah, and the other guys, you know, Case told me about her brother Paul and Darby 
and Pat belonging to some kind of special program in their school, too. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It's a three-letter acronym kind of thing. But, you know, it's a good point you make because I think there's an image that everybody in the movement, especially because of the name, maybe we're all retarded. There is actually some deep people, right? I mean, they didn't fit in so well, but they're really intelligent. Like Darby. I mean, he, um, and because I graduated a year from ahead of all of my age peers, like I was living in a dorm at UCLA and like Darby would come over and he was to Bobby Penn at that time. Yeah, sure. And we would sit in the TV lounge in my dorm and we watched Iggy Pop and David Bowie on the Dinah Shore variety oh, show. Yeah, I and, you know, and he would like paint, you know, sort of nihilist and existential graffiti on the walls of my dorms. I mean, so, I mean, we were just, you know, misfits, but not stupid misfits. You know who else was at UCLA uh, studying film was the urinals. Yeah. I think they put together their band in the dorm. Hey, I want to play some music.
for Pedro Show. Yeah, we had uh, Banzai Universe. That's uh, Fred, uh, Woody Alpadop, uh peer of uh, Nels Klein with Astrotonic. Back to Grant, Riviera Court. Don't Blame Yourself, Chaz Budwick Meets the Matson 2. Chronic Anxiety with Corporate John. Mold Omen. Cold is My Passport. Finally, Remorse Code by now. Teresa here talking with me. So, uh, do you, you do you consider it kind of good luck then that things happen the way it did, or do you think they would have happened in spite of what happened? People like Darby, you know, and yourself, and or was it just a kind of uh, connection to different things? Maybe people were burning out we, on uh, Arena Rock. I think so. I think that um, also. It's like we were members in search of a family, and we, you know, we became our own community and our own family. You know, misfits in search of a club, and we all found each other. You know, a lot of us Hollywood people had the glitter and glam in common because a huge 
chunk of us were, uh, you know, Rodney's English disco fans. What, we what about, all uh, had. Teresa, were you at uh, Tiffany for the uh, Rocky Music? Uh, <laughs> you know, they play the movie there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the Rocky I, I, my sister took me to one of those. And I saw a lot of people <laughs> in the scene that were there. And it made, for oh, me, yeah. it made total sense how they, especially at the end when they take over the the time warp and the throw in the toast, and like they take over the movie. Mm-hmm. And compared to Arena Rock, that's kind of like what the gigs were. It was like different. It's like somehow the people took over. I don't know. It's hard. Oh, for it's, sure. It's, oh no, I know. It's like it, it was way more than an interactive thing. Yeah. It was like you you became the art, you know. And that was so different for us. It blew our fucking mind. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, uh, October third, uh, October third, two thousand eighteen. This is Pedro Show special guest trees. Hold tight for hour three. October third, two thousand eighteen. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. Okay, we're ready, and there's going to be no poems tonight.
left and get on down. Call out the army to save this town. Just like trucks, you're going to roll. If you're not watching, you'll pay the toll. Push and shove and shove them down. Knock the jammer right out of bounds. Extend your force like a paper cut out. Rally the blockers and keep them out. Because we're knockdown jammers and we wear blockers down. Skating pretty wicked as we're going around. Refs in the middle going to give us some flack. Because we rack up the penalties but we keep coming back. The Fox City Foxes are on the attack. Keep them down and keep them coming back. Spin the roaring wheels of flame. Show them how to play the game. Four teams going to knock it down. Playing the game. Keep going around. Knock them down and take the toll. Dynamite because that's how we roll. Because we knock down jammers and we wear blockers down. Skating pretty wicked as we're going around. Refs in the middle going to give us some flack because we rack up the penalties, but we keep coming back.
Hollywood Boulevard. This is where a guy I used to hang with, Dean Stockwell, an actor. In Hollywood, aged, aged poodles recoil in fright. Ancient sorority queens chew juicy fruit in Topanga Canyon all night. Hitchhikers from eternity flag down your Chevrolet and hug your blue jeans in Barney's Beanery, where they've added another room to hell. The jukebox keeps repeating second-hand rows. And in unison, towards the sunset of Santa Monica Beach, a thousand long fingers of high school sweethearts hold their cigarettes through wisps of smoke. There is a chance, second-hand rose, a star may fall at your feet, but you know that chance withers on your lips as you sing many versions of your love poem, torn alone in pages of night's tarnished wings of the angel flight, all the way up sunset's trip, as unlikely as Dante finding self-help programs in heaven. The lights of Los Angeles endlessly hang there like a hustler's mad beads. Cast your spell on neon dye tonight, dark moon, for tomorrow that ounce of stardust will be wiped from Cadillac chrome, unnoticed by the freeway hawks. <coughs>
Well, for Pedro Show, we start off the third hour with the plebes doing change. Lady Hump, Witchman Warlock, Cosmos Scheiss, Godzilla, Joe Brewer, because that's how we roll. The healers, fuck, fucking Charles Plymel, Hollywood Boulevard, that's his uh, poem. He's living in Cherry Valley. And finally, Cap Gun Coup with Guilty Again, special guest Teresa talking about old days. Why do you think it's important to talk about the old days? Like, what, this thing we're going to do Sunday. I think there are many reasons why. Um, but the most important thing is, especially if you reach, if you if you are able to reach younger people who feel like exiles and outcasts and misfits, to let them know they are not alone and that they can do great things by being a misfit and that they can find their family. And also, I like to, you know, dispel a lot of rumors, <laughs> you know, because, you know, just because we were punks and we like that name and, you know, we, we stuck to it. It doesn't mean we were, you know, horrible people. No, you know, we, we have made this awesome contribution to popular culture and history and society in general. You look at fashion They've borrowed so much from what the punk rock people did. And and you, Mike Watt, everyone wants to jam Econo, you know, <laughs> in their own way. What about this idea where people say, wow, all the interesting ha- stuff happened and you guys can talk about it, but we don't have anything. Do you hear this from young people? All the yeah, good stuff you know happened what? yesterday. Nothing's going to happen now. They got some. They have something happening right now that is so important that they can make happen just like we did. You know, we came out of the Vietnam War, and you know now we we have just the lowest point in American history in all the time that you know I can remember in my sixty years. And they can do something. They can use popular culture. They can use their artistic voice and all of their forms of expression to make a change, just just like the Czechs did. You know, the Velvet Revolution. You know, Václav Havel became the president of the Czech Republic, an absurdist playwright who was in jail, you know? Absolutely. Because I've heard this before, and it really breaks my heart, like, You've done everything. There's nothing left for us to do. And that's a bleak kind of outlook, huh? No, it's just, you know, it's just like people who's like, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything. I I can't fill the forum. It's like you can fill the mask. You can fill the whiskey. You can get all your friends in a van and take that message around like a troubadour. You know, just touch people. Right. It's not a hackneyed cliche, man. If you've changed one person, you've done something great. So by telling these old stories, maybe it can like motivate people, or or say you're not alone. Uh, you know, it was scary for us, but uh, yeah, you dare, and so maybe that's kind of uh, contagious. Yeah, I mean, and then you could also that you can live to, to tell. But I'm trying to say, Teresa, you, you, we're not telling these stories to brag. Uh, we're trying to kind of re- relate in a way, right? Yeah, 
Absolutely. And and it's like your own kind of parenting, you know? Sure, it's like sure. passing passing on the passing the torch to you know, people who share a different kind of DNA with you. Right. You know, over here where I practice at the Angel Gate Culture Center, used to be Fort MacArthur, but they got these kivas because uh, some of the native people, well, a lot of them, right, they didn't write. So in order for the, you had to tell stories because this is how mm-hmm. stuff, the stuff wasn't written down. So they get in these sweat lodges, right? They don't chow for a couple days and kind of dreams come, but they also relate the old stories and I wonder if it's kind of a version of that in a way. It is. I mean, I've had some of the most scholarliest scholars, you know, I mean, Ivy League professors always want to trade places with me. I mean, you know, I went to college, um, but um, I really feel that my education was on the street and in the nightclubs and in in the vans and stuff like that. And... um, they, all of the scholars that I've met at, at universities when, you know, like Pleasant and I go talk and when I put on seminars, um, they always say that the oral history is the bona fide history. Because, you know, when you start to write it down, then the editors get involved. And when you tell a story, the inflection in your voice, like what makes you the storyteller laugh or wince or cry, all of the the details that don't translate into the written word, that's the story. That's great. That's great. I want to play the last music for this edition.
There is nothing like dancing to the numbers band down on Water Street on a hot August night. Halfway through the throb of Jimmy Bell, if the groove is right and the ceiling starts to sweat, the sink switch gets flipped and the women rule.
Live from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Starting it off with David Nusselhoff, brand new meteorites. Then Chris Butler out of Akron with Heat Night. Gecko Turner, yeah, some good stuff from Spain here from Love Monk, great label. Chicken Wire, Gecko Turner. Pajaro Sunrise, good to see you. Ginferno, Roadside Picnic, finally, Sorupa, Dead Capo. Back with Teresa here, and we're talking about this gig coming up Sunday. Now, tell everybody who's going to be there. Oh, Sunday. It's going to be a fantastic night featuring your host, Watt from Pedro, me, Teresa Kariakis from uh, Hollywood, through Nashville and back again, Abby Travis, a a bass player who's done her time in many bands, Love Dolls, Go-Go's, you name it. Dave Ketching from Eagles of Death Metal, but he played in Tex and the Horseheads. Thanks. Chip Kinman, Chip Kinman of the Dills and Rank and File and currently Ford Maddox Ford, a man who was on the leading edge of everything. Flea, another fabulous funky bass man, yep. um, local hero with his L.A. Conservatory of Music. Yeah, and, great, great yeah. school. Some band you all might know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Played a little Keith, while in Fear, too. Oh, that's right. Keith uh, Keith Morris. Yep. And um, who else do we have? South Bay uh, guy. They just painted up the uh, building, a big mural up on uh, Her- in Hermosa Beach. So funny because <laughs> so long that town tried to kill <laughs> that music. Oh, that's so, so funny. funny. And- yeah, it is. Last but not least, our ringleader, Pleasant Gaiman, who yeah. uh, she and I collaborated in the 70s on a fanzine called Lobotomy, the Brainless yeah. Magazine. And um, our DJ is Lena LaCaro. Yeah, and Pleasant was a ringling sister. That is correct. And a screaming siren. And a screaming siren, right, correct. Uh, okay, and uh, that's going to be at the Roxy. Which was, at the Roxy. Uh, in the old days, that was a big place to play, man. If you played the Roxy, that was very... You uh, made it. Yeah, it's a big gig. Yeah, you have monitors. <laughs> it was incredible. So for for me to go back there, I once did what, something like this, but it was not stories. It was poems. So it was even more embarrassing. Yeah, it was called <laughs> Battle of the Macho Poets. It was like Hank, uh, Henry Rollins, um, uh-huh. Richard Meltzer, John Doe. And uh, maybe Chris D was there, and uh, yeah, Hank wore a dress. <laughs> That's awesome, man! I remember seeing him do a one-man, you know, talk thing in New York City at the town hall, which probably holds two thousand people. Wow! It was just incredible, and and he was just, you know, he was the guy that we know from hardcore, yeah. and he was just talking about. You know, I just sit around in my underwear and watch porn on my computer. <laughs> it's like, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I've seen him work big old crowds at festivals. It's, he's pretty engaging. Yeah, you know, he just is. Just with he's Spiel. Funny. You know, Hank's he's a good cat, man. He's a really good cat. And uh, But what about advice? I mean, we're going to be talking, relating some old stories here so people can feel a little brave about going on their own, right? But what about advice to to the next shift? My man, just do it. 
You know, I mean, it's don't take no for an answer. That's my advice. Don't take no for an answer. Just do it. I like that. Don't ask permission. Do not ask permission. No, just do it. Don't give anyone the opportunity to tell you no. Just go do it. And if you get knocked down? Get back up. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, it, it's, it seems obvious, but yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. If the Berlin Walls were just physical things, we could take a hammer to them, but they're in our heads. That's right. That's right. I mean, we can overcome everything. And, um, you know, I'm not knocking the psychology, but it's it's like all those jokes about psychology. It's like, well, how many people does it take to change a light bulb? Well, the light bulb really wants to have to change. <laughs> it's a metaphor, you know? Of course. That's it's what like, it's for. you know, yeah. just do it. That's great. I love it. And big honor to have you on the show, Therese. Thank you so much. And I'm Likewise, man. People, it's been October 3, 2018 edition of Wife of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>